when you jump into the cold water, it's like going into a change. It's like super cold and your body doesn't like it. And then after a minute of acclimating to the temperature, you start to adapt to your environment and it's no longer uncomfortable. It's actually making you a lot better. This is the Brother Be Well podcast. We're focused on mental health needs for boys and men of color, including trauma and healing. This podcast series is sponsored by Blue Shield of California's Blue Sky Initiative. Get ready for real talk. And to our parents and caregivers, listen up, y'all. Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman. I'm director of content and chief writer for Brother Be Well. Today, we're talking with Justin Martinez. He's a youth advocate and Brother Be Well content contributor. He's also got an inspirational story of trauma, resilience, and recovery. Justin, how's it going today? Really good, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's great. Great to have you here. Great to have you here. Justin, let's get right into it. You've lived quite a life in, in your time on this planet so far. So let's get right into it. Uh, you, you witnessed domestic violence in your home from a very early age. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how old you were when you first remember witnessing that. Yeah, um, I was three and a half years old. Uh, it was my parents' wedding day, July 2nd, 1994. Um, we are leaving the ceremony. Uh, it was a beautiful day and we were in the limo. I was with my parents and they were um, out of the sunroof and they're waving to people and they're waving. We passed by the groomsmen in the parking lot and they waved to the groomsmen. And my mom uh, was told she was so beautiful by one of the groomsmen. It was one of my dad's best friends at the time. Mm. So they came back into the limo. And my dad smacked my mother in the face and snatched her up by the back of her hair. And that was just a very, very intense moment. Uh, I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. Uh, And it was very, yeah, very traumatic, very intense. uh, And it's still with me here. Still with you, yeah. I appreciate you being willing to share it with everybody, Justin. Um, Years later, so that's how it started. And years later, well over a decade later, you had an experience that kind of changed things for you. You started out writing about it uh, mm-hmm. and you called it a beautiful day in the Martinez home. Right. Um, set that day up for us. Take us back to that if you can. Yeah, sure. Uh, me and my dad, we used to like to uh, jam out. You know, he was a drummer and I wanted to play guitar all the time. So I was doing it on the broomstick and we would set up these jam sessions in the living room. So we were doing that one day. We we're having a, a great time laughing and giggling And we set up the stereo equipment in the living room and we put one of the speakers on my mother's wicker basket. And my mother loves her wicker baskets and she doesn't like anything on them. So she came downstairs and she's seen that. Uh, She got really upset. She went over there and she pulled the stereo off the wicker basket. And my dad tried to stop her from doing so. And she kind of shoved my father out of the way. Um, That triggered my father and he grabbed the extension cord. He got really upset and he started whipping my mother in the face with it. And I was 19 at the time, you know, and I had seen this uh, very frequently in my life and just hearing my mom's wailing moans uh, really triggered me to uh, stand up and take responsibility. And I beat my father up um, in my mother's defense. So that's what happened. And uh, I didn't want it to happen anymore. So that's exactly why uh, I stepped in. And, and you believe you, you, that it was the sound of your mom's voice that kind of what 
ultimately broke the camel's back, so to speak. That's what prompted you to say this can't go on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I've heard it uh, a lot throughout my life. And I think it was just that particular day being 19 years old and, and, uh, you know, realizing that I'm a man now and I can't stand for this anymore. Um, I couldn't hear my mother suffer. Um, so I stepped in and I, I did what I thought was best at the time. And uh, I defended my mother and beat my father down. It's pretty amazing. You you and I have had conversations off camera about some of this before, but just hearing it from you is just kind of hitting me in a way. It's bringing back some memories of my own. I appreciate your willingness to talk about all this, Justin. Absolutely. Um, you wrote at the time that you thought you wrote about the time rather that that for a while you felt badly about having resorted to violence and, and that you um, you were no better than your father. I think those are your words. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you've overcome those feelings. And, and if so, how have you done that? Because I would imagine a lot of people would feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm still working on it, Mike, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really know if there's ever a right or wrong answer in those those uh, situations. But um, I've told the story before and people, you know, tell me or tell me I'm a hero, tell me I'm a, a good son and, and you did what was right. And, you know, when I look back and I reflect on it, I guess I could uh, criticize myself and be hard on myself uh, too much. So I don't ever really like to fight violence with violence. You know, I think there's the firefighters say they fight fire with fire sometimes and, and um, it, it works out for them, but I don't really believe in that. Mm. as I get older. So I try to avoid that as much as I can, mm. but these are split second decisions that, that you're dealing with when you're a child or when you're a teenager or you're becoming a man and, and sometimes just have to be confident in your choices in those decisions because who knows what would have happened or what could have happened. So uh, I, I, I feel like I did the right thing, you know? I feel like you did too. The split-second decisions don't end when you're a young person. Life is a series of split-second decisions, and right. you can just do the best you can do in that moment. And, and for the record, I think you did the right thing. Um, I'm wondering, given what you experienced in your house and at the very young age in which you experienced it, were you even aware of ACEs at any point in time while you were growing up? And Were you aware of them during those most difficult times? No, definitely not. Uh I just uh, learned about ACEs in college um, last year, actually, about a year ago. Um, it really opened my eyes to studying what it is and how it's affected me in particularly. Um, but ACEs, yeah, I identify with seven out of the 10 ACEs. So the quiz, there's 10 questions and, and, and I identify with seven. So definitely um, toxic toxic stress environment, you know, and it, um, it's led to difficulties uh, in my life that I've had to overcome. Justin, you, you've, uh, you believe that your exposure to ACEs uh, mm -hmm. has led to some chronic health problems. Um, yep. If, if that's true, it's, it's textbook. A lot of people suffer from chronic health problems that have experienced ACEs. I'm wondering, taking a look at you, your average person wouldn't realize that you've got chronic health problems. So mm -hmm. You talk a little bit about, how your physical body deals with some of those early childhood experiences and how you manage that today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once I learned about the toxic stress and the correlation between toxic stress and autoimmune disease um, in the in the body, uh, it really kind of clicked for me. Uh, the light bulb went off. I was diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis uh, when I was 23. So I was 2013. And I didn't know that toxic stress was a contributor to it. You know, I always thought it was diet. I thought it was me playing sports. I thought it was inherited, which are all possibilities. But um, when I learned about the toxic stress related to ACEs, I knew right then and there that, you know, that was definitely a contributor for me in my life with rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disease that um, attacks the joints. It attacks my wrist. It, it's attacked my foot. It's attacked my hip. And I've had five surgeries in the middle of my 20s related to this uh, autoimmune disease. Wow. So, yeah, definitely uh, toxic stress is a contributor to inflammation in the body and, and autoimmune diseases. So it's good to be aware of. Absolutely good to be aware of. Justin, if anybody, if you'll allow me to say, if anybody's an expert on coping with trauma, you would be one of those experts. You've got a, a journey, man. You've got a journey. So I want to get right back into it. We've, we've talked a little bit already about your early experiences and, mm-hmm. and the adverse childhood experiences that you suffered. And you had to have developed um, a pretty good uh, support system and way to cope. Um, mm-hmm. Your sources of trauma were witnessing, if I've got this right, correct me, domestic violence, being placed in foster care, Mm-hmm. And really surviving while your parents were incarcerated. Um, yep. You've talked about domestic violence, but talk about those other two situations and talk about the impact they had on you. I'm also curious about where you were placed in foster care. So if you could share some of that with the Brother Well audience. Here we go. Okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was 15 years old when me and my three siblings were placed in foster care um, to make it a long story short, we were removed from our home. Uh, domestic violence had caught up with us. The neighbors called the cops on my dad. My father went to jail. My mother and my siblings, we went to a domestic violence safe house. And my father was released a day later. My mother wanted to go back home. And the social worker deemed my mother unfit to keep us out of a toxic stress environment. Hmm. So they placed us in foster care. And they placed us in a foster home two blocks away from our home, which is a conflict of interest, but it was a flaw in their system. They were looking for a family that could take in all four of us, which is highly unlikely. Um, But, you know, it happened and it was the biggest blessing in my life. Um, Foster care was definitely traumatic. Um, I could look back on it and say it was the best thing that happened to me. But in the moment, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me Mm. and my siblings. It was, um, yeah, it was horrific. And we didn't like, we didn't like it. We didn't uh, want it, but we got through it. So all in all, we came back home and we went with my mother. We came back home to my mother and about three years later, uh, I was 19 at the time. Um, my, both of my parents uh, went to jail. Uh, my mother was, um, she had been stealing stuff from the stores for us because we were struggling and she got caught doing it uh, a couple times, few times. So she went to jail. My father was running the streets and he got caught up on a drug charge. So we were all at home alone, all four of us. Uh, the lights went out, the hot water went out. Um, 
we got robbed. Me and my younger brother were at home when we got robbed during that time. And we all ended up uh, splitting up and, and going to our friend's house, our coach's house, um, or anyone that we could stay with other than being at the home. And that was for about 120 days we did that. Um, definitely a, a toxic, toxic environment, but, um, you know, something we had to overcome again. So try to wrap it up for you. You could no take your time. You could write a book on on uh, traumatic experiences. I mean, any one of those could be a setback for somebody. So mm-hmm. that that you had so many to deal with, and you you managed to push your way through that is pretty amazing. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. amazing, Justin. Thank you. Um, you developed, in fact, quite a lot. You've talked about a little bit how prevalent ACEs are in society. And that there are healthy ways to cope. And you developed your own series of very healthy ways. As you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I was quite curious about one of them. So I haven't been able to wait to talk to you about this. Talk about cold plunges as a method for you to deal with stress and anxiety. Cold water plunges have been my favorite coping mechanism. And I just adopted this about two years ago when I moved to San Francisco by the ocean. And uh, the way I like to see it is... Uh, you know, adversity is it, it presents its own challenge and it's very uncomfortable. So when you want to change something or you want to uh, break the cycle within your family history, you got to do something different or something that hasn't been done before. Mm. So when you jump into the cold water, it's like going into a change or it's like going into a challenge and you jump in and it's like super cold and your body doesn't like it and you're losing your breath and and you just don't want to be in there. And you're just like, Oh my God, please just get me out of here. And then after a minute of acclimating to the temperature, you know, or, or going into a challenge or a change, you start to adapt to your environment and you're no longer cold and it's no longer uncomfortable. And it's, um, it's actually making you a lot better. And the physiological, uh, uh, effects that that go along with that is I feel like I've reset my body. I've reset my body temperature. I feel this endorphin rush. I feel no more stress. Um, I, you know, I did it a lot during finals week when I was uh, finishing up my degree at SF State. I, I was severely stressed out and it didn't matter if it was uh, sunny outside, dark outside. I needed the cold water. And um, since I have the ocean here, I jump in there and I immediately felt my stress leave my body. So I would advise it to anyone. I'm a huge advocate of cold showers, cold water plunges um, for healthy coping strategies. You do know, Justin, that cold water and just being cold and and the African-American community, we don't always dovetail with that. Right. So that's why I keep looking at you like, what is he talking about? dude? (laughs) You got to try it. You got to try it. Well, I did try it. I think I shared with you. I tried it once. You know, I felt the walls coming in and I, I tried it. And it, I, I like your, your verbiage. You said it was like getting reset. It felt like I, the reset button was set and all the anxiety kind of went away with that project I was working on. And I came back to center. So thanks for the advice. It was great. It was Absolutely. great. Talk about exercise. That's another way in which you've kind of incorporated that into your life as a, as a coping mechanism. Talk about that. a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So I played a lot of sports growing up. My dad had us in football. Uh, baseball, boxing, dirt bike riding. We were uh, really active. Um, and I think that that uh, huge for me, it followed me into my adulthood. So exercise has become a huge part of my life. Um, I do a lot of just body weight training now, but but the endorphin rush that I get from, from exercising is, uh, it's so beneficial for me. Um, another thing I love to do is uh, running. 
running is incredibly, incredibly stress relieving for me. I actually ran a half marathon last year on my 29th birthday. It was the first time I had ever done it. And I can't tell you, um, I would, I would provide it for like medication for somebody if they, if they were feeling stressed out to just take a run, take a job and get their heart rate up. Um, cause the endorphin rush is, is like no other. It really takes all your stress away and you feel calmer after that endorphin rush. Wow. Talk about um, positive healing therapies like talk mm. therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy. Are you a proponent of those? I'm a huge advocate for it. Uh, my, I got my degree in psychology from San Francisco State in Maine. And congratulations. Therapy, thank you so much. Thank you. Talk therapy has saved me. It really has. Um, just having someone to to express yourself to. Um, who's non-judgmental and who can help you organize your thoughts and uh, dissect really events and things that uh, happen to all of us or, or are going on in your daily life. Um, you need someone to help you uh, take down the blinders because I can't see my own blinders. And sometimes I get in my own way with things. So there's, there's to have someone to do that with has, has been uh, transformative for me. It's helped me understand and be more empathetic uh, for myself and to be my own advocate and, and to, to, uh, not to, to, to be my best friend, honestly, to learn how to be my, my own best friend. That's uh, in a nutshell. You've walked us right up to the beginning of, of, you know, the different ways in which you coped with the early experiences next time around, you're going to stick with us. I understand. And next time around, uh, we're going to talk about specifics of your path to to uh, recovery, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Mike. Me too, man. Justin Martinez, thank you for being here. My name is Michael P. Coleman, again, content director with Brother Rewell. If you're curious about what Brother Rewell is up to, uh, go to the site, uh, mentalhealthca.org. Uh, you can sign up for, uh, you can subscribe to the magazine there and find out all about Brother Rewell. So until next time. Michael B. Coleman asking you to take good care of yourself and somebody else. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Brother Be Well podcast. There are lots of people that look like us stepping up to take the journey to wellness. Stay connected by joining peer support groups and happenings in the Brother Be Well community this month. Watch for text alerts and hook up with us for the next episode of Brother Be Well. I'm Leon Guidry, and we're out.